This is a Federal News Network podcast. Even Democrats on Capitol Hill are saying the gigantic so-called Build Back Better legislation won't happen in 2021. They'll be back with it next year. Meantime, members are concerned with how the vaccine mandate is playing out for federal employees and service members. We get... We get more now from WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller. And Mitchell then uh, BBB, I guess, has become the new acronym, the new set of letters. But it's going to be BBBNY like next year. Exactly. Uh, You're going to have to wait on that holiday gift until the new year. If they get it at all, we'll have to see what happens. But there was a real push hard by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to try to get this done before Christmas. He kept reiterating it. And then last week, he started backing off. And early in the week, it was becoming clearer and clearer that this is probably not going to happen. And why isn't it happening? Well, uh, Among the many reasons, but probably singularly the most, is, of course, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who has made it very clear to his fellow Democrats that he has a lot of issues with the cost of this program and what is all included in it. And really, some of the last uh, things that came uh, together or didn't come together, as you, if you will, last week was the fact that he just had indicated to, at least according to some Democrats, that he was willing to go for a one-year extension on the child tax credit, which Democrats have really been touting as a tax cut for many people in the middle class. And he believes that it's basically a budget gimmick that to say that this is close to $2 trillion, that he really thinks it needs to be explicitly stated to last over a decade. And of course, if you added it in over a decade, it's going to add $1.6 trillion just alone to the cost of the overall package. So clearly, this is not just a bit of tweaking that has to be done with the Build Back Better Act, but there is going to be a lot of changes uh, if they're going to get this passed and uh, get the approval of Joe Manchin. Yeah, and uh, I think some of the federal agencies were hoping for this bill just because there are millions of goodies here and there for individual efforts, such as modernization of information technology, which a couple of the other earlier COVID relief bills had. But that's Congress's way of using these vehicles to get things done that are not in the regular appropriations. Right. There's a lot of, you know, the things like the child tax credit or debate over family leave, those get a lot of attention, but there's a lot of extra money there. Uh, and and, and you still, when you go back to the COVID package early in the year, as you indicated, a lot of that has trickled out. I mean, just recently, as one example, um, going back to that COVID uh package that was passed earlier in the year in Virginia, uh, state officials, along with members of Congress, touted the fact that hundreds of millions of dollars are going toward broadband uh, that will help a lot of areas, especially rural areas, and kind of a similar principle involved with federal agencies that they know that there's a lot of cash tucked in the cushions of this massive couch that potentially could be hauled out of Congress and passed if it ever ever is, and uh, they could get more money for IT improvements, for for telework, for a whole series of things that uh, they would love to see extra money for. Will they be doing anything else on the Hill then in the few couple remaining weeks they've got of the calendar year? There's really not much that they can do in terms of legislatively uh, getting major programs out. The last things that they've been doing is uh, trickling through all of these confirmations on judges and various agencies. And there's, as you know, been a lot of give and take on that. Uh, They finally had a little bit of a breakthrough last week where they were able to get some key nominations the Democrats threw for the Biden administration. 
administration. But beyond the uh, nominations and things like that, uh, they're really going to have to move into January. And even the president, with his own statement last week, indicated that it's going to be uh, days and more likely weeks, if not months, before they really uh, get going on things like Build Back Better. And as we look to the new year, it's going to be interesting because, as we've talked about many times, Congress always needs a deadline. They need to be shoved up against the wall to get things done. And that was kind of what the hope was from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, was that they would get near Christmas and they would just all have to get out of here. And then they would hopefully pass it from the Democrat standpoint. Republicans obviously strongly opposed to this whole package. Now, the question is, what is going to be that next deadline as we move into 2022? Because there really isn't a natural deadline. I know, of course, these deadlines are self-imposed by the Democrats. But again, Congress needs these type of deadlines to get things moving forward. And then, as you well know, uh, as we move into 2022, look out, here come the midterm elections. And if you get too deep into 2022, then you really can't get anything done from the Biden administration standpoint. We're speaking with Mitchell Miller, Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP. And the COVID mandate is like a piece of uh, gumby. It gets twisted and turned around and looks up between its own legs. And I mean, it's really strange what's going on. But the Congress, at least some members, are interested in how this is playing out in the latter days of the federal workforce and the armed services. And you've talked to a couple of members about that. What what have you found? Well, you know, depending on the, the member that you talk to, there's really some concern about the fact that there's still the lingering number of people that have not been vaccinated. Now, the military overall, as you know, has taken a very aggressive approach on this and for the most part has done very well. If you look at the Army, for example, roughly 98 percent of uh, service members have been vaccinated or at least received one dose of the vaccine. The Navy uh, is at a very high rate as well. But that still leaves thousands of Navy personnel, Army personnel who have not been vaccinated. And I was speaking with Tim Kaine and other reporters the other day, and he has some real concerns about, even though, uh, for example, in the Navy, it's about 5,700 personnel who have failed to get shots. Uh, You know, that is a significant number if you're looking at readiness, as he pointed out. And uh, from his standpoint, he just believes that, especially in the Navy, when you look at issues like, uh, for example, the carrier Theodore Roosevelt earlier had a spread of coronavirus because everybody's, of course, in contained quarters and, and not to mention a submarine, you can only imagine there. So his point is that really, if you're in the military and he has a son that's in the Marine Corps, or at least now in the reserves, that it's your responsibility to your fellow service members to to get this done. And I think overall, for the most part, the military members of Congress are relatively pleased with the high numbers, but they're still concerned that there's still this uh, group of uh, other personnel that are not getting vaccinated. And they are now uh, in the process, for example, with the Army of getting written reprimands. And then uh, eventually, if they continue to uh, say they're not going to do it, they will likely be separated. Uh, By the way, in in connection with that, uh, as part of the uh, defense legislation that was passed last week, um, there was a provision put in that would prohibit the service branches from dishonorably discharging someone who refused to get the coronavirus vaccine.
vaccine. This was pushed by Republican members in the House and Senate who felt that it would be unfair to people who did not want to uh, get vaccinated. Also, one last note related to the military. Uh, while many military personnel have applied for the religious exemption, at least at this point, none of them have received it. Right. Yes, they're reluctant on that because maybe the opportunity for some strange applications to come in under that umbrella. Right. And you mentioned 5,700 Navy personnel. It doesn't sound like a big number in the context of an organization as large as the Navy, but 5,700 people, that's the population of a carrier, a destroyer, and half a dozen submarines. Exactly. And that was the question he was getting uh, from one of the reporters down in Norfolk, where I used to work. And, you know, he pointed out, hey, look, if you, if you don't have enough people like on an amphib ship for support for the carrier group, uh, that's a real problem. And so, uh, and, and let's face it, the military is all about readiness. So that is really one of the ongoing concerns for people like Senator Tim Kaine, who's on the Armed Services Committee, and others who deal with these type of issues. And on the civilian side, it's still pretty much, again, over for the most part, but it's not a clean turnoff. Right. So federal employees, for the most part, the majority of roughly three and a half million employees have been fully vaccinated. But there are a lot of people who still have not. And uh, as we've been talking about over the last few months, the Biden administration continuing to try to push them, nudge them, get everybody, uh, as many as they can, fully vaccinated. Um, but uh, over the last couple of months, we, we had that kind of uh, pause, if you will, allowing the federal agencies to hold off. So as we again look toward January, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly these agencies move to actually force employees out if they've continued to refuse to get vaccinated. Uh, many federal agencies, as you're aware, have taken a gradual approach, giving people chances to explain their reasons, again, for religious or medical uh, rationale for not getting vaccinated. So I'm curious to see how hard they're going to push as we get into the new year. Mitchell Miller is Capitol Hill correspondent for WTO Thanks so much. You bet. Find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO 
where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. 
what a wonderful way to to spend an assignment with uh, with backup and in guidance like that. What what great great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters uh, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com energyaudit energy audit.